Hello, everybody. Welcome to a long-awaited edition of the Red and Blue Podcast. Yes, sir. We are back. I'd say it's New Year's Day. Happy 2020 to everybody that's listening. Yes, everybody listening. We thank you for your support. Uh, All of last year, it's a new year. We're going to hit the ground running with a new podcast, New Year's Day. Yep. I'd say there's been a lot of fixtures that have been happening since the last time we podcasted with you. We've had six fixtures take place uh, since the uh, last podcast we did back early, in early December. So I think they said something like 39 games in 13 days. Or yeah, something. it would say there's there is fixtures happening almost every single day um, during this time of year. They do that, especially in the Premier League, while the Spanish League and the German League get breaks. Or maybe it's just the German League, I don't remember. But Yeah, and, and granted, every, every year, coaches, because I think Mourinho and Klopp were bitching about it because it is kind of crazy playing every other day. You're like soccer players. You're not. You're not supposed to do that. So yeah, and that makes it really difficult for a lot of teams during the stretch because you have to rotate a lot of your squad, and that's when you really find out the depth of your team. So this is really when you start seeing Facts. the thinning out of the teams, and we have seen some of that to a degree. But at the same time, there's still a lot of players that are going to be um, going to affect a lot of games coming through and potential Champions League placement. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, from what we know, I mean. But we know, I mean, this Premier League is pretty much over in terms of winning it because yeah. Liverpool has just continued to win and impress. They have only still had one draw in the season, have yet to lose a game, and they are by far and away the best team in the Premier League this year. I don't see a reason how they don't win the Premier League. And I would still argue they're the, still the best team in Europe. So yeah, and I would, and I've said that as well that they've been better than Man City the last two or three years, just because despite the fact that Man City had the success in the Premier League, which you know each their own but Liverpool is doing their thing meanwhile Leicester continues to be an impressive team in the Premier League as they've actually gotten into second place and while they are, are only one point ahead of third place Manchester City which we're going to talk about in a minute that is important to know just because the fact that they have stayed through this the entire time they've been in this race the entire season even getting through this fi- these fixtures they're still able to be comfortably in in the top three and be able to most likely secure Champions League place, which, like we've said before, is a big deal because Leicester isn't always securing that, and they do have a lot of good players on their team that might be able to help give them a little bit of a revitalization of the team. Yeah, as well, as much as I still don't trust Leicester to win the league, like Graham was saying, they still have like a really good chance to finish top four and get in the Champions next year and maybe make some noise, get some money, sign some players, um, which will be really helpful for that club. Um you know, they're they're doing really good. I don't wanna I don't wanna poo poo that, but I I don't I don't you know we we'll get into it later. But they had a match with Liverpool, and I think it was very obvious that there it, it, there's another step that Leicester has to take before we can even begin to talk about them in that sort of in right. that in that vein. But definitely in the league this year, they've handled their business. They've played really well. They've had one of the top defenses in the league. Um, they're scoring goals. Um, and that's really all you can ask for from a club like them, you know. I think it's it's starting to get to the point where they ha- they've had a from when they last won, they've had a they had a couple off years, but they still competed. Um, yeah, and and they would you, finish like top half of the table, top half of the table, which is you know all you can really ask for from a club like them. So to see them have this little resurgence without signing, you know, crazy that many crazy players or anything, they didn't really do much. They just kind of like focused and and really got it together and hit the season running. So shout out to them. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see what they continue to do, but I don't think they're, 
Liverpool good. No, I mean, they, <laughs> they, if, if they, they had their chance to try to close the window when they played Liverpool and Manchester City back-to-back weeks, and they lost both of those fixtures. That's so what I'm saying. It's had like, they, clearly they're a cut above. Right. Those two teams are still the best two teams in the, in England, so that was those were big tests for Leicester. Because had Leicester been able to weather that storm and maybe get a win and a draw out of that, that would have suggested that maybe they're a lot closer than people think. But Exactly. Without that, yes, they have had some good signings. Like Yuri Tielemans has been a good signing in the midfield for them. James Madison has really broken out as a young player for them along with Damari Gray and then still obviously Jamie Vardy the ever uh, consistent striker for them. Shout out Jamie Vardy man. He's like 32 I this believe. This man is old as shit still getting it done on the, in the biggest league in the world. Yeah and then obviously having you know Casper Schmeichel as your goalie is really big too. He's one of the he's been one of the more underappreciated goalies despite his father being a legend himself so. And, and shout out to the and we always got to shout out the goalkeeper because like I said whenever there's a good defense there's a good goalkeeper behind them organize, organizing all of it. Yeah. So shout out to him. I'd say Ricardo Pereira, the Portuguese player, has been mm-hmm. really effective for them mm-hmm. as well, along with Ben Chilwell, the left back who actually City wants to buy, which I don't really think we need a left back. That's another story for another day. But uh, need a center. Yeah, we're going to talk about that shortly. But, uh, <laughs> but for Leicester, it's just really good to see them uh, – performing well and uh, it'll, it'll I definitely want them to get in the Champions League next year because then that would you know kick one of the other big teams out and that'd be kind of funny so that would be kind of funny <laughs> so then and then obviously in third place we're going to do a little bit in depth more just because it's Manchester City they're one point like I said one point behind and their goal differential is still great but they just they really they're they lose a lot in key fixtures or they don't get or they lose drop points in key fixtures when they really need to keep momentum going and they're just not able to defend. For me, just watching them throughout the season, it just is clear that they are still a good team and they can still score goals, but they're not able to defend against the top teams consistently just because they don't have the horses to run with some of these world-class players that are getting thrown at them with a with a makeshift center back pairing. Right. So if I if I'm Manchester City, I you really need to get. A, I know that Pep has said we're not getting anybody in January. We're not going to get anybody in January. You need to get a center back. At least one, just one center back in the window. You don't have to do anything else, but or maybe or maybe or who knows, maybe a backup goalkeeper. Get rid of Claudio Bravo, just because I'm tired of seeing that dude. <laughs> he's he's really bad. Uh, but they need a center back to help their pairing because once Laporte comes back, he has been seen uh, running a little bit more now and getting ready, so he could be ready in the next month or so. So that would be a big boost because he was a bit, he was the best center back we had. Mm. Stones is coming back soon, although like I said, he's been inconsistent. So I, we really could use another center back with Vincent Company being gone and Nicholas Otamendi having his flashes of greatness, but also his blunders that he has all the time. We just need to get another center back in here if we really want to compete in Europe, which at this point City really needs to focus on. And I like I've said before, this is the type of games that you need to play well in because you're going to have these type of tough fixtures in the Premier League and that'll help get you ready for those tough Champions League games. So they need to be able to play well in these fixtures and they're making key mistakes like in the game against the Wolves when Ederson got the red card, which he just ran out into the middle of nowhere and just decided to attack or run into the dude. He tried to get out of the way, but when you're a goalie and you do that, you're going to get a red card. It's just that simple. So not only did you screw us by making us have to take off Sergio Aguero, but now we had to bring on Claudio Bravo, and no one needs to see that. So we ended up losing 3-2 to the Wolves because we were just playing from behind the entire time because, you know, obviously we had 10 people. We were up 2-1 at one point, but it was just it was too late at that point. So, I mean, shout-out to the Wolves. They played a good game, and then we rebounded against Sheffield and Everton this week. I just 
I'm just getting really sick of watching City do <laughs> do it in these in these key fixtures where really you need to be in your best performance if you're going to succeed in the Champions League. Which when we talk about it later, you'll real understand why City has to be on their game pretty soon rather than later. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> you know me and Graham. I I think I texted this to you, but it, it, it's starting to seem just from the outside looking in. Like, City's starting to get to that point where it's like, well, what are we really doing here? It's like, I don't know, Pep seems, even in the the win today, in his after his after match uh, interview, he seemed just kind of distant, a little not happy, even though you guys won. Um, and I think, you know, players start to sense that. Um, and just on a bigger scale, it's about producing, right? And mm-hmm. if you can't, if you're not going to produce in the league with Liverpool... You know, clearly a cut above. You know, we're gonna and we're gonna talk about champions in a, in a little bit here. But it's like if if you guys fail again in champions, those questions are gonna start creeping. You you might start to hear transfer rumors, people wanting out. That's when those sort, sorts of things start to happen when your team can't really, isn't really producing uh, at home or or uh, you know domestically in the in the in the European Championships. Uh, the European competitions, excuse me. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting just to see how this uh, shakes out. If Pep can keep it all together, I'm sure he can. But it'll just be interesting to see um, because Man City is one of those big clubs where you know people can get fed up uh, instantly and and be gone because they have that sort of star power. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, just because they have they have kind of underperformed in the league this year. Uh, but, you know, a good Champions League showing could turn all of that around. Everybody comes back next year, and it's Man City all over again. So mm-hmm. it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it turns out. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the last year, really, of a lot of change for Guardiola because David Silva is going to be leaving at the end of the year. I've heard reports that Fernandinho could be gone at the end of the year. He is 34, and he's at the end of his contract. So that could be two big leaders gone. So that would be Kevin De Bruyne having to kind of take even more leadership along with other players stepping up like Sergio Aguero and Ederson and things like that on top of needing young players like Phil Foden to step up. And that could be – obviously you don't want to lose players like David Silva and Fernandinho, but maybe adding players in there in those spots like with Phil Foden maybe coming in that would give a breath of fresh air for the team. So that Possible. and that's yeah. and you've seen that so including the game in today because when I was watching the Everton game today they started Phil Foden and he actually played a really good game he scored a goal yeah. so Phil Foden for those who don't know is a 19 year old player from Manchester City who's seen by everyone as the next like attacking midfield like great for us he's going to be probably next to De Bruyne for a lot of years because he is they actually compared to David Silva in a lot of ways like kind of an English David Silva so. If you're getting that out of a 19-year-old kid, that's uh, that's pretty good stuff. And he has performed well, and people want to see more of him. That could be a little bit of an extra injection of youth and uh, and drive to get that team through. Although for this season, they're, he's going to be there, but they're going to really have to d- dig deep during these Premier League games. And even if they're not going to win the league, they need to at least take it one game at a time and try to win these games because yeah. they are important if you're going to try to build momentum going into the Champions League because you're going to need – to be playing at your peak uh, every one of those fixtures because they're so limited once you get into the knockout stages of champions. Yeah. Yeah. For Chelsea, they're because of everyone else as well, they're they're not they haven't really been that good. They've been like okay. Pretty they, mediocre. Like they've won a couple games, they've drawn a couple, lost a couple, they've, they've experienced the whole spectrum. They're able they've been able to at least still sit in fourth place, which is the coveted last spot for Champions League. So that's big for uh, the team in fourth place and for Chelsea. 
And they now that they have the transfer ban gone, they actually have been given, from what I have seen from reports at the Guardian and uh, and in England, they're going to have almost 180 million to spend. Mm-hmm. So they could spend on a lot of players to help them with reinforcements with those young players that have performed so well. Maybe get another striker to back up Tammy Abraham because Olivier Giroud is going to be leaving and he hasn't been really fitting them. They could use more attacking options and that could really help Chelsea if they want to, you know, keep that fourth place spot along with competing in Champions League because they're still in Champions League as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's going to be interesting uh, to see what they do because you make a good point. They have all this money to spend, so it's going to be. You know, I'm curious to see who they bring in because they, they definitely have to bring in some more help. They need defenders. This, for this young team. They need a lot. <laughs> so, they, need, they need defenders and they could use, it upgrades each of those spots because Marcus Alonso is not going to cut it for that much longer. And Ozzy Pocueta, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's a Spanish right back who plays on the Spanish national team. He's been, they've been okay, but they need better upgrades there on top of, you know, Kurt Zuma at center back and Andreas Christensen. Young options that can be good in spurts, but at the same time not people you want to have to consistently rely on. Because their attacking options are fine, and they still have Nagolo Conte, and they still have Christian Pulisic, who's been improving, along with Mason Mount and uh, Tammy Abraham. So they need to just strengthen the team and continue to have a good core for Frank Lampard because they haven't looked great in these fixtures, but at the same time they're still in the position where they can maybe spend now and keep that position and go back to being the Chelsea of old. Yeah, but again, if we're if we're talking about the Chelsea of old, they're gonna need a lot more than they have. I don't think, uh, and and it's the bar that Man City and Liverpool have set, all, broken all these records the past couple years. It's like if you really want to compete and be a top team in Europe, let alone England, you really have to not only spend but establish a culture. And I don't know. You know, shout out Frank Lampard because he really has kept the 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 ship afloat while they couldn't sign anybody. You saw, I mean, he he has to bring in in my estimation, they have to bring in something to inject something into this team because as it is, they're they're young in some spots, in other spots it's from the other Chelsea regime. I don't really know. They're also just not deep enough. And they're not, and they're and more and most importantly, they're not deep enough. Which again, if you're gonna compete, is essential. So they, I, they have to bring in players to not only to aid in the in the development of these younger players, but to compete. Because like you said, they're still in Champions League. You don't want to just lay an egg, you know what I mean? You're, you want to compete. So, right. you know, transfer, January transfer window, now's the time. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'd say Chelsea's been able to keep that spot. Meanwhile, the team, the Spurs, have been able to start out hot under, under Jose Mourinho former Manchester United manager but since then they've kind of they've been taking a lot of spills they were able to win early on in games against the Wolves they then lost to Chelsea at the, and that kind of started an incident where they were just up and down performances winning one drawing one losing to Southampton today I mean it's just a lot of up and down for that team as they try to struggle and right now Tottenham's in sixth place at 30 points but they and, and Mourinho got a yellow card today uh, for yelling at, uh, <clears throat> not yelling at Mike Dean, but uh, basically going over to the uh, opponent's uh, coach's box and, st- and talking shit. And then Mike Dean carded him, and then he started talking shit to Mike Dean. That sounds about right. <laughs> Which, if you watch Premier League Soccer, you know about Mike Dean. So, you know, it's not going great, you know. Which, again, I called. I don't know why they made this hire. 
Yeah, they got rid of a good coach and replaced him with an old coach that used to be a good coach. And granted, he's in the short time he's been there, he's gotten a lot out of Deli Ali, which is nice because he was basically a corpse of himself. Yeah. Um. So shout out to him because he's definitely you know got him playing, but you know just as a whole, they're still very just mediocre. Yeah. Despite the talent that they have, they're still very mediocre. I mean, it's at this point, it's just a hanging cloud over if they're gonna let Christian Erickson even just leave in January, or if they're gonna he's just gonna sign a contract yeah, with somebody. Yeah, that's a good point because I he's probably gonna leave. You would think. Well, <laughs> he's gonna leave. It's just a matter of whether they are gonna try to sell him for a cheap price, or if they're gonna he's gonna sign a contract and then play the rest of the season with Tottenham, because that is gonna weigh over the head. Because if he's playing uh, for another team, if they just sell him, then you know that's something that they could just get rid of. But if he just signs a contract and remains with them the rest of the time. You're then going to have to pick and choose how much you play him because while he's still important to your team for this season and trying to make it through, you also are like, well, he's not he's not going to be here next year, so he's not. why do we have to worry about this guy? Yeah, and you also don't want him to get hurt and then not be able to sell him, you know? Right, so it'll be interesting to see how if that has any effect with them. I don't know how much it does with Christian Eriksen, but it is good to see some of their other players performing, but they have too much talent to be where they are right now. Um, I mean, I don't understand how they're in sixth place at this point point in the season and then when it comes to Arsenal I mean they just continue to suck I mean Arsenal what else does that really say about Arsenal they're in 10th place I mean they're below Crystal Palace they're below Sheffield they're below Wolves they're just they're 27 points and they did hire Mikel Arteta uh the former Manchester City assistant manager uh they did and former Arsenal great actually he did play for Arsenal for a lot of years as I think he was a holding midfielder for them but uh yeah he was in the midfield but he played under uh under who was the Arsenal manager? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, it was before Wenger. Yeah, yeah, he played for Wenger, uh, so he was able to go in and and kind of take some of that and get some of that influence. But at the same time, they still are struggling. They've been losing games. They've been they actually won a game today, which was pretty impressive. So they are still struggling mightily. They're barely above Everton and right next to Crystal Palace. Uh, to be honest, I haven't watched most Arsenal, but I just know that they're still having the same issues, along with rumors of maybe Aubameyang and. Uh, Lacazette being unhappy and wanting to leave just because that team's not going to qualify most likely for European competition next year. So why even be on that team? So that could create a mass exodus and a real rebuild challenge for Mikel Arteta. Yeah. Um, like Graham was alluding to, they did beat uh, Man United today pretty handily. But um, And everyone kind of said it afterwards. To be fair, we played a terrible game. Um, I don't know if everyone was out partying last night or what, but everybody was just sluggish and lethargic. Nobody was really attacking the ball. We really gifted them all of the goals that they had. Um, you know, just, I guess, getting into Man U now. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they did beat us today, but it's kind of just been a story of our season. We've, we're inconsistent. We're a young team with a very high ceiling, um, you know, and when we're playing great, we're playing amazing. We can play amazing. Like I said, we have a very high ceiling. You know, we've seen that in, in just the past months, beating, you know, uh, Man City in the Derby. Yeah, it was a good game. They played a really strong game. Which we played, and we played amazing. And, you know, there's obviously motivation there to, to you know, keep the, the crown of Manchester at home. So shout out to them. But then we'll have stinkers like today where we're playing up, we're, 
you know, coming off of two wins, we're feeling good about ourselves. Granted, those two wins were against lesser competition, but we're, it's a, it's a, you know, you take small victories because it's a young team. And then we go into a team, you know, playing not a great Arsenal team, like Graham Oak said, they're intent. It's not like they're playing amazing. And just hiring a new coach, just implementing his system, you know, we lose 2-0. We're just very inconsistent, you know. I want to put some of that on the fact that it's the new year. I don't know what everyone was doing last night. Um, but clearly <laughs> it wasn't focusing on soccer because we played terribly. So You know Pogba wasn't. Yeah, and that's, I'm going to get to that in a second. But um, just in terms of the team, what, I've, what I have been encouraged with is the, you know, all the, the leaps and bounds that I'm seeing from our young players. You know, Mason Greenwood, um, you know, Dan James, like, these players that came Rashford, up, Martial. Rashford and Martial kind of having another a resurgence under Ollie, you know. Uh, these things are good to see, you know. Because, um, like I've been telling everybody this season, don't expect too much. We're a young team. We're rebuilding, you know. The brass admitted it for the first time in however, since I can, I've been a Man U fan that we've rebuilding. I can't remember a time we've quote-unquote rebuilt and they've acknowledged it, so... You know, it'll be interesting. It's it's interesting to see how much we've come under Ollie, but it's also frustrating as a fan just to see how inconsistent we are. That's where the the growth needs to happen. Because mm-hmm. um, you've seen it in spurts with some of the new players, like Harry Maguire's done a good job as being the captain and also being a good steadying defense at times, while Lindelof's improved in spurts. And then you've seen also Aaron Juan Basaka be a good new signing on the yeah. right flank, and but in spurts, but they're just not able to all play together really well in the same game for more than a couple fixtures at a time exactly and that's that's just kind of the problem and again it's a young team so these things will come in time um the fact that we're in fifth is kind of a miracle i feel like the whole league is kind of having like a down year um you're in fifth and you're only five points out of fourth place yeah it's so it's very attainable to finish fourth place for this team yeah and i but again i'm not even thinking about that the fact that it's even like that it's is i think a testament to just the kind of year everybody's having in the league um, but yeah, the fact that we are in fifth place, it's promising. Like I said, we've had good wins. It's just being able to string it together and then I can be like, all right, we have something here. Um, until that happens, you know, I'm not, I don't expect anything. Like Graham said, we can get fourth. If we don't, I don't really care. It really doesn't matter. Um, I think for this, uh, for this squad right now, it's like, if we can get into, you know, European competition next year and get into, uh, champions, then cool. But I don't think we'd even, like, it would be good experience, but we're, we're not competing unless some crazy signing happens. Like, and even then, like, we have to put it all together. So I, I, I just don't see it anytime soon. I think we're two, three years out. And then just last point is this Pogba cloud that's over the fucking organization. Yeah, that's been the biggest story off the pitch uh, in the in recent weeks. And, he's, and he hasn't played in how long? Like, it, I mean, he yeah, played, he's barely played. And he played today and didn't he get hurt? Um, or was he, it the day before? No, it, yeah, it was the last game. But yeah. and it's fine. Like I don't even care. Like I've been saying on this podcast, this very podcast for like a year, just sell him because people who don't aren't built in the Manu culture and aren't you know putting forth that culture on and off the pitch aren't happy to bleed red. You know, every time they step onto the pitch, and no one did today, to be fair. But if you're if you're not willing to do that for the organization, then I don't want you on the team. Which is ironic, because wasn't he a Manchester United graduate? He was a he was a he was, he was a, a captain for a while. Gra- he was a youth academy graduate too, was he not? Yeah, but he 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 was with us for a little bit, but he he. So I, that's but I that's what I'm saying. If went, you spent but, time, well, then he went to Juventus. But at the yeah, same time, if yeah, you yeah, grow yeah. up in that culture and you at least experience it, and then you've been back for years and still 
have know what that culture is like because you've spent, been in it now in two different stints and you're still having these issues. Clearly, yeah, it's again, just something that's it's not a place that's for you, and they need to find a way to get rid of him. And, and again, to be fair, I, I don't think he was with us long enough for it to like matter too much for him. So I think a lot of it, when, when he came back, was you know, trying to figure out the culture again and then having to deal with the Mourinho shit. So he's never really had, like, a steady time to kind of just get comfortable, you know? And I think that has a lot to do with it. But aside from all of that now, it's, you know, it gets to a point where it's like, bro, just leave. Like, you clearly don't want to play. And now we're hearing things that it's his ankle and he needs surgery and I'm just over it. Like, sell him and let's let's move on. Let's, like... That's I don't need it. I'm sure any of the top teams like PS PSG could be a good fit for him. He is French and he would be a good middle midfield guy with uh, Neymar and Mbappe. So yeah. I'm sure they and they're one of the few teams that can afford him because he still would uh, have a nice price tag on him. But it'll be interesting to see what Manchester United does going forward uh, throughout these fixtures. See if they can be more consistent because if they can have a good run of form by the next time we podcast they could very well be in that fourth-place position, depending on how Chelsea does. Yeah. Especially if Chelsea doesn't get reinforcements heading into uh, the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, usually we would take a break, but I figured we might as well just go right into it with the Champions League. Yeah. Just because we've been talking about it, we've been teasing it the entire podcast, because there's while not every fixture is an amazing fixture, this is starting to get to the point now where we're going to see some really good uh, high-end soccer. There's going to be a couple stinkers here and there, but for the most part, each fixture has at least one team that is that a lot of people can talk about and have a lot of news to bring up. For instance, the first game is a, actually a very interesting one between Dortmund and Paris Saint-Germain, who I just brought up. Now, the reason it's interesting is because Dortmund just added some firepower, adding uh, the error, the, I think his name's Erland Holland um, from Leipzig, or RB Salzburg, I believe. Yeah, it's RB Salzburg. Red Bull has two teams in Germany, for those who don't know. Yeah. So he played for Salzburg, and they actually had a really good showing in the group stages against uh, Liverpool, and that was one of the best games of the group stage, and he had a hat trick in that game. He got signed by Dortmund, so that'll be another attacking option for him. So him and Jaden Sancho to go up against PSG with Kylie Mbappe and Neymar along with that team as well. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Also, former... Dortmund manager Thomas Tuchel is now the manager at PSG, so it'll be interesting to see him going up against his former squad as uh, PSG tries to get past that loss last year when they choked against Manchester United in the Champions League. Yeah, and it's a, you know, the choking is the part that is very interesting because, you know, just on paper, I'm definitely picking PSG, but then this is normally around the time when PSG just kind of chokes and kind of forgets how to play quality soccer. Um, and Dortmund, like Graham said, they I, they added some firepower. I'm not super familiar with non-Premier League teams, I'm not going to lie. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how Dortmund has been, what kind of form they're in. But, you know, just from what I do know, they're, they're always a tough out, you know, on both sides of the ball, just German soccer in general. So, yeah, that's a good match, I think. I think it'll be a good match. And so it'll be interesting to see how, because last year Dortmund was a high-scoring team as well, so th- these two teams both have a lot of firepower on the offensive end. It'll be interesting to see what defense can hold up because PSG has two really of the world-class players, while Dortmund has maybe a lot of variety of options. PSG still has people like Julian Draxler and Paredes and a lot of these great guys, along with a good center-back pairing of Thiago Silva and Marquinhos. So. Right. That'll be an interesting pairing, along with Thomas Munier on the uh, on the wing. He's a Belgian international that is very uh, that is very f- imposing and physical on the right wing, so that's helpful for them. 
Um, then Atletico Madrid plays Liverpool. That's a really good fixture. Yeah. Because Liverpool is the defending champ, but Atletico Madrid has played in the final multiple times and also been a team that consistently advances deep into the Champions League. And also chokes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, again, they have Diego Simeone, which is another, a good match. If you're going to go against Jurgen Klopp, you want to have another world-class manager, and he is one of those. Yeah. Now, the team has lost some firepower without having Antoine Griezmann anymore. But um, they did. They might be potentially potentially adding uh, former PSG striker Edison Cavani to the team. So that would be really good in terms of helping their strike force because Cavani has kind of been lost in the shuffle with Mbappe and Neymar at PSG. So he'd be a good attacking option to help maybe. But he wasn't. Through. From what I remember, he wasn't in the greatest of forms. He's been up and down. When he's in, when he's at his peak, he is one of the better goal scorers yeah, in the yeah, world. But yeah. it just depends on. You just have to make sure that you put him in positions to succeed and. When he wasn't getting the he wasn't getting the ball as much in pair at in PSG because of right. those two who dominate the ball so much, which is fair because both of them are two of the best. They are two of probably the best five six players in the world. So right. that is understandable that that happens. It just means that the third person gets lost in the shuffle. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Athletic Atletico Madrid's been known for their strong defense, but Liverpool also has that as well with a uh, Balloon Dior winner Virgil Van Dijk. So yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they go through there and try to do that. I'm not sure if they'll be able to break through. I think most people would pick Liverpool, but Atletico, if they won this, I don't think it would be the ma- a massive upset, but I think it would be pretty shocking. Just I think it would be a pretty big upset, man. Liverpool has been just breezing through competition. So, again, if it's not Premier League, I don't know it too well, but this, this Atletico team, they're good, but again, Champions League... I'm taking Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because Liverpool, as long as they remain healthy, are going to be a favorite in any fixture that they play in. So Exactly. As long as they can continue to be healthy and continue to have good form with those players, they do have the squad necessary to advance, which, again, they have a tough out, but I think they, again, they're the defending champs. They should be able to go through. We're not going to touch on Atalanta versus Valencia too much. Atalanta is a Italian team that made it out of the Man City group because there was a bunch of crap teams in that group. They're not a bad team, but City handled them pretty well in those games. And Valencia will probably end up beating them because Valencia is a very good Spanish team that always seems to get a good draw in the Champions League and then make it to the final eight where then they get beat. Or they beat Bayern, one of the two. Uh, Hopefully they play Bayern again. That'd be funny. And then we have Tottenham versus Leipzig, which is a German team. Now, they're not bad, but if Tottenham can actually get prepared and play these games and take them serious and be able to have a good string of form if Jose can get them together for these games they should have no problems really advancing yeah that's the that's gonna be the question with Tottenham just because they've kind of spurred it a little in the league yeah and so, Leipzig's a good team so so it's gonna be you know you gotta get in the form and hopefully they're in form you know before those when are these fixtures um these fixtures I look it up so I mean yeah I mean Tottenham is gonna be it's gonna so I looked that up. I mean, it is going to be interesting to see what Tottenham is able to do. Yeah, I think that, you know, realistically, I'm still picking them just because, like, I'm you You want to – it's a new coach, so you, you want to credit some of these spurts to just the fact that, you know, you want – Mourinho's getting them to play boring defensive football, you know. So they have to get – once you uh, – you know, you, get, you have to – what's the word? Get uh, accustomed to that. Um, and I think a lot of that is just like growing, growing pains mm-hmm. from learning the system and stuff like that. Sure. I, I do think that, you know, once 
one thing that Mourinho can do well for them is get them prepared and have their mindset ready for this because he's been there before in Champions League. He knows what it takes. Um, and this so, team also has a lot of the same core that was in the Champions League final last year. So that, yeah, should, be, that, that and, could be a good combo. And that's another good point is the fact that this team has been there. You know what I mean? Just last season. I don't know why they fired their coach who went to the Champions League final. But I digress. The fact that, the, you know, Graham makes a good point. The, a lot of the core is the same. So they they know what it takes. Um, and I'm sure they'll be ready. So I think this Tottenham team can be dangerous. They do play on February. They fixtures start on February 18th and February 19th will be the Okay, so it'll be two, and then the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of February. So about a month and a half, still a decent amount of time to get in the form. So. Yeah, and yeah. so all those four fixtures are on the eighteenth and nineteenth of February. Meanwhile, on the twenty fifth of February, we have your Chelsea, the Premier League, and then we also have Bayern Munich. So again, Bayern's been doing a lot better this season. They have a lot of young talent now, as opposed to the old guys of Aryan Robin, Frank Ribery. That era is gone. And they're starting to get a lot younger, better talent. But Chelsea has really performed well in the group stages. They've done well enough to at least stay in it. And again, like I said, if they have enough transfers come in, if they get transfers come in that can help affect their team and give them some depth, they could give Bayern a problem because Bayern is not a team that is is invulnerable to a slip up because they've done that before in in, uh, the Champions League. Yeah. Um, th- that's going to be an interesting one. Um, Serge Gnabry is going to be a very big problem for whoever is on the flanks for Chelsea because he's someone that can go down the field in an instant. And again, we don't know who they could have at that point. There is talk that they may they may be able to get Leroy Sané from from Manchester City. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if they do have a lot of attacking options on the flanks to along with. Uh, the people in the middle to have it be a very dangerous team for Chelsea because their defense isn't that good. And like I was just to hark back to what I was saying when we were talking about Chelsea, I really do feel like this team is going to need something if they really want to compete. And buy, like Graham just outlined, Bayern is no joke. So, you know, they have a lot of time. You know, it's February, whatever, 18th. That's like a, de- a good month and a half before these fixtures take place to sign somebody and integrate them into your system. Um you know, fixtures are going to slow down a little bit here, but it's 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 the second half of the season, you know, so it's go time. So it's going to be uh, – I, I really think Chelsea's going to need something if they want to compete with Bayern. Um, just from what I know of Bayern, they always come solid defensively. And, you know, again, like we talked about, just the talent they've signed um, with Holland. Um, no, Holland went to Dortmund. Or Dortmund, Dortmund, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm mixing up my German teams. But – uh. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bayern, but yeah, I'm probably, I, I don't, this Chelsea team, man, they're kind of an anomaly, because uh, kind of similar to Man Manchester United, when they play well, you can see the talent, and when they don't, you're just like, well, yeah, it's Chelsea. Oh so. yeah, I would say Bayern's striker, I can't believe I forgot about him, the Polish hammer himself, Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski, okay. I'd say he's, who's one of the best strikers in the world, I can't believe I totally forgot about him. So yeah. that'll be a problem for Chelsea, it'll be interesting to see, because Chelsea's a very young team, and they're going to have to, everyone has to travel to the other person's pitch, so that's going to be interesting to see a young team going into a hostile environment in Bayern or in Munich, where they're going to have to play in Alliance Arena in Germany. Because if they have to, if they play there first, I don't remember where exactly they play first, but if they play there first and they get waxed, that's going to be really hard for them to climb out of, even coming back to Stamford Bridge. So yeah. those type of fixtures, especially for young teams, are so important because you never know how they're going to react, uh, having to travel and do all that stuff, playing in such a hostile environment. 
And then, of course, we have Barcelona still in the round of 16 because they haven't choked yet. And then we have Napoli. So Napoli's all one of these teams now that's just going to make it in the last 16 all the time because they're good enough to hang around. Yeah. Or at least for the foreseeable future, they're kind of like that. They're like the Tottenham of, uh, of Italy. Mm-hmm. So they're playing Barcelona, but again, Barcelona should be able to take care of business. They have a lot of a lot of talented players. Yeah. And they still not not including Messi alone. They have a lot of players, young players that have really been a big help for them. Even they've kicked Ivan Rakitic out of the starting lineup for. Who's that eighteen year old kid who's been killing it? Uh, for Bayern or for Barcelona? Yeah. I don't know. I know in Real Madrid, there's a guy named Rodrigo that's like 17, 18 that's been killing it. Is it real that I'm thinking? I'm pretty sure Barca has like a a, a young kid. Barca might have a young kid. I'm trying to remember. I haven't watched a lot of Barca this year. I know most of their force, it's been Usmane Dembele with uh, Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez kind of leading their attack. And then they've been using Arthur, the Brazilian midfielder, along with... uh, Frankie de Jong, the signing from Ajax last year. Yeah, well, I mean, regardless, Barca definitely has a breadth of talent to kind of overwhelm Napoli. Like Graham was saying, Napoli, I feel like it's just one of those teams that's going to make it because they're like, they're good enough. But when we're talking about heavy hitters in Europe, I'm, I'm taking Barca. Yeah, they're not. They haven't been having like a Cinderella like type thing no. where you look at a team where you look at them. They're like, "Yep, they can go deep." Nah, that's not like it's not like the Ajax team that we saw last year. We're like, "Okay, well, this team could actually do something." Yeah, and then of course, and real quick, we're just gonna say Leon. We're gonna because we're gonna save the best one for last. Leon versus Juventus. Obviously, you get to see Ronaldo in that fixture, and Leon's no slouch. They have a lot of good young, talented players. They always seem to churn out a lot of young, talented players, and then they end up having to sell them because they can't afford it. Because right. they're 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 middle middle to upper middle tier French league team. They're not anything that can afford like these crazy players. So, Juve should be able to take care of business now. If hopefully Ronaldo doesn't have any injuries in the coming weeks, because they did sell Mario Mandzukic, so they don't have a backup striker for him anymore unless they play DiBala there. Yeah. So that, they could do that. I know DiBala hasn't been getting as much playing time as he would like because of Ronaldo being there. That sometimes happens. That's why. Players with playing with Messi and Ronaldo sometimes have those issues yeah. when they dominate the ball so much and they're so good. So, I but at the same time they have a really good uh, center back t- uh, trio. They've always had that with Leonardo Bonucci and Cellini and you kind of gotta think if they sell Manzuka just to play Dybala in that role. Like you probably. I mean, he can play a striker role, but he could also play a little bit more back, maybe as like a false nine. Because I feel like before Ronaldo got there, he scored a decent amount. Yeah, and Ronaldo could play out on the flank if he needs to and cut in for headers and be able to cut in for through balls so that way he could score. He is capable of doing those things. So it's what he wants to. Yeah, so if, unless he wants to stay more centralized and attack, which he probably what he would. Wants to do. But if he wants to go out in the wing, now he doesn't have to bomb down the wing every time, but if he's out in the wing and he just runs efficiently without the ball to get it, he could definitely be successful. Now, I think against Leon, they won't have as many issues, but. No. Their defense will be able to hold a lot. Because, like I said, they have Mateus DeLict, the other kid from Ajax. They have Chiellini. They have Leonardo Bonucci. They have a lot of talented players. So it's going to be interesting to see. And then finally, the best fixture, not just because it includes my team, is Real Madrid versus Manchester City. Yeah. This could be like a semifinal in most years. So it's – this – I – I always People always said, Man City gets easy fixtures. Man City always gets easy round of 16 fixtures. You you do. Well, not anymore. Thank, say, thank God. I'd say, well, we got Real Madrid, who, despite not having Ronaldo, still has a wealth of talent and is led by Zinedine Zidane, who has really done a good job of getting that team back on track after a slow start early in the season when there were some questions about the team. 
they still have a lot of talent. This team can match Man City talent-wise. And their center-back pairing of Ser- with Sergio Ramos, along with having Eder Militao as a new guy, that's going to be interesting to see how they perform against the Manchester City attack. But also their attacking options with Gareth Bale and Kareem Benzema and Rodrigo, the 17-year-old prodigy. Like, it's just There's just so many options. On top of having Luka Modric in the midfield with Tony Kroos, it's just... There's so it's so hard to defend those players, and then you can't really get through their center backs and Casemiro, their center defense mid. So they're going to be a really tough out for Manchester City, and they're going to have to play a really not flawless game, but they're going to have to play close to their best game of the year if they want to beat Real Madrid. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm picking Real <laughs> just because I'm not very confident in this Man City team this year. You guys have a lot of injuries, people that need to come back. The defense, I mean, you know. Um, and Rio, again, I haven't watched much of them, but just from, like, Graham just outlined on paper, it's pretty much the same squad that's been there. Um, you got to you gotta think that they're going to give Man City a run for their money. That being said, Man City is no slouches. Um so it's definitely the best, the best fixtures of the of the round of sixteen. Yeah, and I think it'll. I think Real Madrid has a very does have a very good chance of winning this fixture. I mean, they have a lot of talented players, and they have been performing pretty well um, in La Liga this year. But they've never been a team that really focuses on the league so much as the Champions League. Barca usually ends up winning the Liga and choking in the Champions League. So yeah, I think Real Madrid will take a deep run any time of the week in the Champions League. So. It'll be interesting to see how they perform, and I know that both teams have a lot of young talent that is going to be key, along with some very key veterans like Casimiro, Sergio Ramos, with Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva. So if you're looking for star-studded soccer, I'd definitely say the top three matches to look out for. I would say probably Man City-Real Madrid is one. I then would definitely say watch Atletico Madrid and Liverpool, and then Dortmund and PSG is not far behind. And just because you get to, all those games are going to have a lot of high quality talent on the pitch, so I would if you if you can, I would definitely recommend uh, trying to get on watching that. Um, and yeah, I mean the Champions League is going to be really interesting this in the round of sixteen, which you can't always say with for this many fixtures. Yeah, uh, especially just because the Champions League up till now for me has been a little boring. Um, so these fixtures are definitely going to you know we're going to start to see the best teams and it's going to it's going to be very obvious uh what we're getting ourselves into for the next round uh so I'm excited to And see. who knows one of these teams could surprise in the first leg and then when we come and then we have to come back and be like okay yeah. well maybe this team's going to advance Yeah and I think that's why it, there's so many good teams or so many good matches is you know it could go either way you know I'm sitting here picking obviously but like I wouldn't be surprised if some of these matches went the other way just cuz they're quality ma- quality teams um, going up against other quality teams you know it's not it's not that cut and dry or especially not as cut as dry as I'm making it seem so definitely don't think that these are all pretty good matchups for the most part yeah I'm excited to watch Champions League and there's gonna be obviously more Premier League before that so obviously before we'll be back to give more Premier League news and if there's any other news about the Champions League or transfer news especially because now that it's January there is going to be some transfers not too many but there could be a couple notable ones yeah. we'll keep an eye out on those um, obviously please make sure that you 
go to treecityrecords.com and we join the Tree City Records street team. Yes, yes, as always, please, we thank you for your support. Go to treecityrecords.com, order some merch, get some merch. You know, so, uh, you know, holidays just passed, but, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. You got to start stocking stuff away. Tree City Records merch makes a great gift for any loved one, all right? Um, join the Tree City Street team. You get updates on everything we do, everything that drops. Um, just dropped a tape with uh, Intellect, Black Hoodie Rap, uh, available on the website. Go check that out. Um, Late Night Trip by Biggs is out on all streaming services. Check that out. Um, WDSL2 is obviously out on the website. Go check that out. Um, and definitely be on the lookout for a new Tree City Sports podcast because some bullshit's been going on with the Browns, so you know they're going to talk about it. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know Graham's going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. obviously, I mean, Andrew, uh, either it's either going to be tomorrow or Friday or going to record the podcast for the Browns, so you can expect that out either tomorrow or Friday. So expect that. And then we have our third podcast now, which is uh, the Fireteam Fire Pack, which you're gonna get be, which you'll be getting soon. Yes. So Yes, we're about to record we're about to pull double duty and record that next. So definitely be on the look lookout uh, for a bunch of pods to drop within the next week uh, from the Tree City Radio family, guys. We appreciate you as always. Uh, and just quick be be definitely be on the lookout. I think uh, more interesting things will happen now. We're getting into the second half of the season. Transfer um, windows open. So definitely be on the lookout. Podcast might be coming a little more frequently within the next definitely three or four weeks. Definitely uh, you'll be hearing from us, guys. So we thank you. We appreciate you. Um, We'll uh, see you next time, guys. Peace. Peace.